You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hello, friends, and welcome. Today we are continuing a series called Let there be light. If you missed last week's message, I highly encourage you to go back, take a watch or take a listen. believe it'll be an encouragement for you, but so excited in this Christmas season to be doing this series called Let There Be Light. And talking about the Christmas season and Jesus, the light of the world coming into the world, but understanding the need for the light means that there's some darkness. And there's no mistake about it that the world is a very dark place and compounded with the pandemic and everything that's been going on in this year, there's a lot of darkness. But the good news is that the Bible tells us that Jesus came into the world. He is the light of the world. The light could not overcome the darkness. And that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about being in a dark place, but the light that God gives us to get through, to endure, to get us to the other side, that there is a a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark place before, but I've been in a few of them. And not not speaking of like, you know, kind of a mental space or a physical space, talking about a physical space of being in darkness, not just depression, but actually physically there being no lights on. It's, it's kind of creepy. And depending if you're scared of the dark or not, it can be a little unnerving as well. And I remember one time years ago... Um, in high school, I had a chance to go to Laurel Caverns. I don't know if you've ever been. It's a few hours here from Pittsburgh, and it's pretty amazing. They have different levels. You can go through these caverns and caves underground, and the first one's like the touristy one that's, you know, they've they've got it all paved out. It's real smooth walking, and it's all lit up, and it's, you know, beautiful. You can see the stalactites and stalagmites all over the place, and it's just really pretty, and you can take your whole family there and little kids, and it's just, it's an easy thing to go walk through and see it, and it's really easy to do. They also have something you can go a little step further and do some caving or spelunking back in the day as they would call it. And they have two levels of this. They have the upper and the lower caverns that you can go to and the upper are a little easier and the lower are a little harder. Matter of fact, the lower one goes down 45 stories. It'd be like a 45-story building and you're going all the way down into the mountain. It's pretty intense. And so when I was in high school, I had a chance um, to go through one of those ones is a little more intense than just the typical touristy one that you do at the entrance of the cave. And when you go down in there, you have to have a couple good light sources. They want you to bring a flashlight or a head flashlight. They want you to have a couple, even a backup um, when you go through there. And when you go through, they don't send you by yourself, even just with your group. You have to take a tour guide with you, someone who's trained, someone who's experienced, someone who's equipped to be able to get you through this. And I remember this guy taking us down through the caverns and there was different points we would go through and he'd be like, okay, everyone now shut off your lights. We're going to all shut off our light together and we're down very far deep like an hour in walking into this cave and everyone turns off their lights i want to say if you've ever experienced darkness like this i mean you can't see anything at this point the sight it is gone you've got some other you got your you got your smell you got your hearing um, but you cannot see anything i mean it is pitch black dark you can't see anyone moving you can't see your hand in front of your face there is nothing to be seen it's pretty unnerving right he's like you can okay you can turn your light um back on. And I remember as he was walking us through, he was talking about some of the training that he had to go through to be allowed to do this, to be equipped and trained to take people through. And he said they would take them down by themselves all the way to the furthest recess, the furthest reach of the cavern. They would take all their light sources and they would have them by just feel 
just come all the way back up to the entrance of the cavern. Now that's pretty intense, right? That's some pretty serious training. I can't even imagine how hard that would be to feel around in the dark of what you were crawling over in rocks and climbing through and under and over. I mean, how difficult that really would be. And as we were asking him, we're like, man, that must have been really hard. And he told us, yeah, it was, but uh, I had a lighter, a cigarette lighter in my pocket. And so if it got too bad, I would just bust that out and, and light it up so I could see where we we're going. We're like, oh, that's kind of smart. Wait a minute. Did our guide, our expert, cheat on his exam on what he's supposed to know to get us through if there's something wrong? It was like, I don't know if you should be telling us that as the people who have just paid to get the guide from you. It's kind of kind of shady, right? But we loved it. It was such a great experience. I don't know if we've ever experienced something like that of being in total darkness, but it's pretty unnerving. And the same thing can happen in our lives when we're going through a dark season. We talked a little bit last week about depression and some of the things that we can go through that just cause a dark season in our life where things are difficult or we're going through opposition and how uncomfortable that can become and how honestly that is a lot of our realities even right now and maybe even pandemic aside that we go through dark seasons, we go through darkness in our lives and how uncomfortable and how challenging that can be. If we examine this in the Word of God, if we take a look at some of the stories in the Bible, there are a lot of men and women who went through some very dark seasons, who went through some very dark things. Matter of fact, Jesus himself went through some pretty intense darkness in his life. We see this all over the place, and we, and we even see Jesus helping people experience freedom to get them from the darkness. There's a story that I love about Jesus who helps someone literally get out of the darkness, someone who was blind. And Jesus does the most unthinkable thing. He heals this man, which on, on its own would just be the most amazing thing. But how he heals him is even more amazing to me. That Jesus spits in some mud. Can you picture it now? The Son of God, the pious Jesus who we see in all this great artwork, right? He spits in some mud, takes this mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. Today we used to be like, ooh, gross, right? This is what Jesus does. He puts this mud on his eyes and he is healed and he can see can you imagine what that would be like? And here's what's amazing to me and know that even as Jesus restored life into the light, into this guy's life, that he once again could see he was no longer living in actual literal darkness, that his vision was restored. Here's what I love about this story and what it teaches us is that Jesus is still getting down in the mud with people to restore light and bring life back to people. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you're far from God and you have never come to a relationship with him or maybe at one one time you were following after God and then the darkness just got too intense and you strayed away from it or, or you just turned away or something uncomfortable happened or something difficult or challenging. I don't, I don't know what your story is, but I just want to remind you and let you know today that Jesus is still in the business of getting down in the mud of, with people and bringing back light, restoring life to others. And I hope that is encouraging with you today. And there's three things that I want to kind of leave us with, give us today as we talk about Jesus being the light and that the light brings life into us and that it leads us down our path. Just like when we were in that cave, just like when we were spelunking, we had to have that light source, we had to have that flashlight that be able to see where we are going. That light absolutely lights our path. And the same thing is true in our life. That when we're going through a dark season, when we're going through something that's challenging, that we need some light to light our path. You've ever been there, not sure what to go, which direction to turn, which step to take, not even sure if the steps in front of you are going to fall right on your face. How can we begin to let some light and to guide our path? And there's three things I want to talk about. And the first one is a lot of fun. 
It's confession, that we've got to do some confession. We've got to confess to some of the things in our life that we've been doing that are not so pleasing to God. And you're like, man, Brian, we'll just really start easy here. I thought we would just get this one off our chest right off the bat and just dive in the deep end. But Hebrews 12:1 tells us this. Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up and let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. See, this idea of confession, it's like removing something that's hindering you from really keeping you from doing what it is that you need to do. It's an obstruction. I don't know if you've ever driven through a tunnel. If you're from Pittsburgh, of course you have. And when you go through the tunnel on a sunny day and you have your sunglasses off on and you drive through the tunnel, you might forget to take them off. It's like, well, it's kind of dark in here. And I've actually seen this in some places where there's a reminder before you get in the tunnel, there'll be a sign. It says, turn your headlights on and remove your sunglasses. Why would they tell you that? Because they don't want you driving in a tunnel with your sunglasses where there's hardly any light. They want you to be able to see that's going to hinder you. And I love the image. I don't know if you've ever seen a Christmas story before. You remember Ralphie and his little brother, Randy? Do you remember how he got all bundled up and his mom dressed him in that ridiculous snowsuit? And he was so bundled up and he was so constricted that he couldn't even put his arms down. He's like, I can't put my arms down. His mom's trying to push him down. They bounce up. Then he gets outside and he's walking around and he falls over on his face and he can't get up. And he's asking Ralphie, Ralphie, help. I, I can't get up. And this is the image I have for when I think about this, this sin that entangles us, that messes us up, that holds us back. That it's almost like being in this restrictive clothing, this restrictive snowsuit that doesn't give us freedom. Because in that moment, he needed to run from the bad guys. He needed to run from the bullies. He needed to run from what was happening in his life at that moment, but he couldn't because there was something that was restricting him, something that was holding back, and that's what sin does in our life. So it's not something that we guilt or shame, but it's us laying down a burden, laying down something heavy. It's something that's holding us back from living the life that God truly wants us to have. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Oh, friends, I love it. That when we confess our sins, it's not something that we should feel guilty. It's not something we should feel shame about, but it's something that, that we should feel that burden come off. And I think this is something we lost a little bit in the Protestant Reformation. That we just threw out all confession out the window. Because we're like, we don't need to confess to a man anymore. We can confess to God, which is true. But there is power and healing that comes from confessing our sins to others. And somehow in all of this, that church became the last place where we were ever going to admit any, to anyone that we had any sin in our lives, that we had done anything wrong, and honestly, it should be the first place. I don't know if you've ever heard it said before, but the church isn't supposed to be a museum for saints. It's supposed to be a hospital for sinners. It should be the first place where we feel comfortable, welcome, and accepted, and not judge. Why? Because we're all a mess. We've all got baggage. We've all got sin, myself included. We've all got things that we've got to confess that, that mess us up, that hold us back, that trip us up, that keep us from truly living in the freedom and in the light that God has for us. There's a guy named John Wesley who's had a profound impact on Christianity, on modern church today. He's done some pretty amazing things, but way back in 1738, he had an incredible experience, an encounter with God. And it sent him on a mission that he went out and began to preach and teach and tell people about the God. And then he would have these study groups, almost what we would consider today like a small group. And we would get these people together. He would do something incredible. He had 22 questions that he would give them to be able to ask each other and go through. And they were questions like this. 
Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Wow, back in 1738, these questions are still pretty convicting, at least for me, and they continue. Do I pray about the money I spend? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or disrespectful? And then this last one, is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment toward, or disregard? And if so, what am I doing about this? And the questions just continue and only get more uncomfortable from there. I wonder what would happen in our small groups if we adopted this list of 22 things and we had people read through these and answer them every week. We'll probably have a lot less people that would want to participate in small groups. But honestly, I think this is just so amazing for us, an incredible reminder of what this confession does for us and even foundational for us in our relationship with Jesus, that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who we can be honest and confess and share with the things going on in our lives. And friends, my prayer is that Treeline is a safe place for people to come and share with what they're dealing with, with their struggles, with the things that are holding them back. See, repentance is just simply the light shining on our sin as we confess it. And then we have the opportunity to either continue to follow and chase after that sin or turn around and go towards the light that is shining on it. And honestly, friends, when it comes to this, we can either resist or we can choose to repent. So that first one is confession. The second one is this, it's worship. Oh, friends, I love this one. I love this idea of worship redirecting our focus. That when we worship God, we're changing what it is that we are putting our focus and our attention on. Remember last week when we had the quote from Qui-Gon from Star Wars, what you focus on becomes your reality. And this is so true that our worship changes what it is that we are choosing to put our focus, putting our attention on. Now, I've got a couple of optical illusions I want to share with you. We're going to put this first one up on the screen and take a look. And you'll see some um, purple dots. And if you take a look at the little cross, a little T um, in the middle, um, what you'll start to see happen is that it'll now see a green dot going around. And if you stare at this long enough, you will start to notice that all of the dots just disappear completely. Now, it's pretty amazing, but if you change your focus real quick and you look away from the center of the screen or away from the little X there, you will begin to see that if you change your focus, they will all come back. Now, I'll just really blow your mind here. There are no green dots, and the all purple ones stayed there the whole time. It's an optical illusion, and there's a whole lot of science behind this, and I began to research it and got right down into the rabbit hole, and I won't explain all that, but just simply to say that it shows us that what you put your focus on determines our reality. It begins to change what it is that we see. Now, here's another one. I love this illusion too. We'll throw this up on the screen. Now, you probably saw one of two things right away. You either saw a duck or you saw a rabbit. I don't know which one you saw first, but now that I mentioned the other one, can you see it now? Or maybe now that I mentioned the other one, you can only see the other one. Maybe you're like, Brian, I have no idea. I can't see anything. I don't know what you're looking at. But see, what it is that you focus, it begins to change our reality, begins to change our perspective, what it is that we focus on. And what we focus on changes the reality that we experience. It changes the light that we encounter and experience in the darkness. When we truly begin to live a life of worship, we begin to see the world, we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees it. We begin to gain his perspective as he, he zooms out and sees things, see, and we begin to see things just a little bit differently, and it changes the perspective even in our lives and with our situation. 
There's plenty of examples of this throughout the word of God. And I'm reminded of one time that King David, mighty king who went out to war, went out to battle, and his, they were victorious and they were coming back to their hometown, coming back to their city. When they got there, it was absolute tragedy. They found out that another military, another army, another enemy of theirs had come in and taken all the women and children away. You can imagine the tragedy that this was. And as a matter of fact, King David's army, his men were so angry with him that they wanted to kill him in that moment. You know what he did? He didn't sit there and strategize. He didn't think, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to get him back. No, it says that King David withdrew and he strengthened himself in the Lord. Translation, he went to worship. He knew he needed a perspective change to figure out what to do, but that started by not strategizing and figuring out how to fix it and how to save his life. No, it began by a perspective change in worshiping God. One of my favorite stories was with of this is in the New Testament, Acts 16, a guy's named Paul and Silas. And they're out just doing good things for God. They're telling people about Jesus. They're seeing people healed and set free and their lives changed. And they actually get thrown in jail for this. And before they get thrown in jail, it says that they beat them. They strip them and they beat them all over. I can't imagine how terrible. You would talk about some dark times in your life. I mean, we've been through some crazy things, but have you ever been stripped and beat for telling someone about Jesus? But this is exactly what happens. They throw them into the inner part of the prison so that they can't get out. And then the Bible says, and I love this, it says, then about Midnight, the darkest part of the day, about midnight, as they're in prison, beaten, naked. Can you imagine? What do they do? They could complain to God and tell God what a terrible God he is and how he messed everything up and how is he going to get him out of this prison and set everything. No, that's not what they do. They begin to worship. They begin to sing to God. And all the prisoners begin to listen in and hear them singing these songs of worship to their God. And the most amazing thing happens. The ground begins to shake and this earthquake happens and hits this prison and everyone's shackles come off and the doors open and the people are free. But then this is what amazing happens as the guard sees us who was supposed to be watching them overnight and he thinks that they escaped. He's about to take his own life in fear of what's going to happen when they found out they're gone. But then Paul and Silas call out and say, no, 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 we're all still here. No one has left. They take Paul and Silas to their home and he tells them about what happened about the God that they serve and it says that this guy's whole household gets saved and then the next day that they're set free and it's this amazing story but I love this idea. Then the darkest part in the prison about midnight after getting beaten, after everything had gone wrong, what did they choose to do? They chose to worship. Why? Because worshiping changes our perspective. See, we can either choose to look at our circumstances or we can choose to put our focus on the bigness of our God. And when we understand how big our God is, it begins to show us some perspective on how small and minuscule that the problems are that we face. We're not pretending that they don't exist. They do, friends. But when we get some perspective, it begins to change the light that comes into our life. So we can either worry or we can worship. We can either worry or we can worship. So that next one was worship. And the third and final one is this. It's scripture. It's scripture. Psalms 119.105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That God's word is a lamp for our feet that is a lighting our path. It just takes me all the way back to that time and going through the cave, going through the caverns and needing that light to light where we're going. And this is how God's word illuminates the light for us, gives us light in the darkness through those dark seasons. See, the Bible is 66 books, but it's one story about God pursuing people, about God pursuing you. 
and that the word of God illuminates the way of God. See, the Bible isn't just some magical answer book that we can go to and have all the answers to all of life's questions. It's not some divine FAQ and it will have all the answers to everything that we're going through and everything that we're faced. No, instead it tells us who God is and what he is like. This is what the Word of God does. And so many times when we begin to read the Bible, we read it and the first question we ask is, now what am I supposed to do? But I really think that we should back up and the question when we read the Bible, we, the questions we should be asking is, who is God and what is He like? That we begin to build a relationship and get to know who He is and begin to gain some of His perspective. Because get this, when you understand and you get an idea of who God is and what He is like, it will bring life into your situation and begin to light your path. Why is that? Because God brings light into our darkness. He brings light into the world. He brings light to the path and the way that we are supposed to live. And honestly, God is not afraid of difficult questions. He's not afraid of us asking why bad things happen or why there has to be struggle or why there's so much hurt or why is there darkness in the world to begin with. Matter of fact, questions and doubts can be a good thing if they continue to push us deeper into the word of God and closer to him in his presence. I love the verse that says, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. It says it right there in the Bible that we will be challenged. We will go through those seasons. We will have those moments. Matter of fact, if you've had moments where you've questioned your faith, where you've doubted the word of God, where you've doubted your own salvation, friends, I want you to know that that's a normal part of the Christian walk and experience. That those doubts, that those frustrations, that those questions we have, do not be afraid to them, but lean into them and cause you to run into the arms of God, to dive deeper into his word, to run closer to him and spending time with him in his presence. See, friends, we can re repent or resist. We can worry or we can worship. We can pursue God's story or we can instead pursue our own. That's what it really comes down to, to living and walking in the light. See, friends, I know in this season that they say Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Matter of fact, we know that because there's even a song that tells us that. But I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes the holidays and Christmas feels like the absolute worst time of the year. It feels like the darkest season in our life because just Christmas has this ability to really magnify the difficulties that we face. It has this ability to just really bring light to all the troubles that we're having. In the, and it seems like the worst time of the year. As it reminds us of losses that we've had in our life, maybe recently, or ones that stung and sting to this day from years ago, or disappointments, or, or family struggles, or all the things, or the wounds that we have faced. And it seems like sometimes the gift of Christmas just run directly up against the grit that comes to us in life. It's going to be so challenging in, season as, in the season as it magnifies and highlights problems in our families or in our relationships or the expectations or the things that weren't met or we just find ourselves in a dark season and everyone wants to be happy and it seems like it should be a good time and putting up lights and watching Christmas movies and baking cookies and getting together and celebrating and opening gifts and giving and receiving presents and all the things that we do that we celebrate the birth of Christ and celebrate our families coming together and it just not seeming like the most wonderful time of the year, but here's what we've got to get, friends. That Christmas isn't the most wonderful time of the year because of all the situation and circumstances going around us. No, friends, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year because Jesus himself was born, that he came into this life, the light of the world, 
Just like we said at the beginning that the light of the world has come into the darkness and the darkness cannot, will not, won't prevail against it. And that is where our hope is as Christ followers. And I just want to encourage you that if you're going through a dark season, if you find yourself going through the darkness through this Christmas season and feeling overwhelmed and it doesn't feel like a wonderful time of the year and it feels so oppressive and depressing and so frustrating that you can't gather with your family, that you can't see your parents, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles and cousins, that you can't sit around the table and give those gifts and do all those traditions and family things or it's just another opportunity to have that disappointment come back up or those expectations that were not met or that wound or those words that were said. Friends, I don't know what it is for you, but I want to remind you that in this Christmas season, that it is the most wonderful time of the year because Jesus has come and he has come to bring light in the darkness. No matter what situation that you face, no matter what you find yourself up against, no matter how dark it is and how far you feel from God, I want you to know that there is hope and that there is light in the darkness because Jesus has come to this world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for your love for us. Lord, I thank you for the word of God that you've written to us, that it shows the pursuit that you have for us, that you are so desperate to have relationship with us. God, I pray as we read through these, these three disciplines, God, I just pray that we would be able to put them in act in our lives of spending time with you, reading who you are in the scripture and, and how you care about us and your character. And God, that we begin to light our way. God, that we would begin to be able to confess to one another those things that we're struggling with, those things that we're going through, so we can begin to get free of those things that tangle us up and keep us from enjoying the freedom that you've given us in your son, Jesus. God, I just pray that in this season, Lord, that we would just begin to see the light of the world, that we would know that it is the most wonderful time of the year, Lord, because your light has come. God, I pray for those who are having a difficult season. God, I pray for those who are overwhelmed, people who are stressed out, people who are feeling depressed, maybe someone who's dealing with the loss of a family member or a friend, someone who's just not looking forward to going into this season, this Christmas season without that beloved member. God, whatever it is, Lord, God, I just pray that they would feel your arms of love around them right now. God, I pray that you would bring light in the midst of the darkness. God, we thank you for your son, the gift of life that you have given to us. And we thank you in this Christmas season that we would be reminded of why we celebrate and why we, as your followers, have such an incredible reason to celebrate this season. Lord, we thank you. It's your son's name that we pray. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. Just want to remind you, if there's anything we can be doing for you, don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. If you have any prayer requests, if there's anything we can do to help meet a need, please reach out, let us know on Facebook or send us an email or whatever you need to do to get in touch with us. We would love to hear from you. We want to say thank you for joining us. We're so thankful for next week as we continue this series. We're so excited to continue to celebrate. Let there be light in the light that has come into the world, which is Jesus. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again real soon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.